You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I have the privilege of preaching the last message of, in our relationship series, Love and War. I feel like it's been so good and has really helped a lot of us, including John and I. But uh, <laughs> I'm so excited that I get to preach the last message. And uh, so... What we uh, did as a team, we had our executive retreat and our campus pastor retreat. We were planning on going to Big Bear with a few days notice, Big Bear shut down and, and we couldn't go. So within, I think, four days, we planned a trip to Utah for our retreat and we figured why not go to Utah because we have a church there as well. And so it was just amazing. It was so beautiful. It just like snowed and snowed and snowed the whole time. And it wasn't, when I looked at the report, that's not what it said, but it was snowing like the whole time. And, uh, you know, I didn't come prepared to ski because I don't know why. I just, I didn't want to pack everything. But anyway, so you, you can't really get away with sitting on the bench in our team. So I'm just getting like peer pressure from every corner. You know, so I'm finally like, fine, I'll ski a half day. And I'm piecing together other people's clothing and finding, I think I wore John's belt to like make these pants work. So I looked quite interesting on the mountain, but that's okay. You couldn't see anyways, because it was snowing so much. And so honestly, it was just like, I don't like those conditions. I like when it's like 45 50, the sun's out, and I can just cruise, and I can see every bump. Because when it's snowing, something happens to my depth perception. I don't know if it happens to yours. I cannot tell you how many times when I have pushed myself to go out, and it's skiing, and there's snow happening, I find myself going over jumps that I didn't realize were there. (laughs) I cannot see the bumps and the moguls and all these things when the snow is coming down. Something happens to my brain. But uh, so we went up there and honestly, it probably wasn't the wisest decision because it was storming so much and you could not see in front of your face. Like the chair, the, the lifts were rocking and um, it, yeah. But Pastor Lisa and I, I have found a ski partner. I'm so pumped because we're like the same level. We like to be a little bit risky, but not too risky because we have children. <laughs> and so, but the end, and then you always say, oh, the last run, let's Let's go to the top. Like, why? Why do we do these things? But anyways, so stormy. We're already getting beat up down here. And then we're like looking at this lift, and you can only see the first four chairs because then it just disappears into the blizzard. And I'm like, we don't even know what's up there. But we did it. We did it, and we survived. Um, But I am telling you, you couldn't see if it was trails or if that was a clip. You couldn't see in front of you. And we're like, Then all of a sudden, I just went missing. (laughs) Apparently, that wasn't a trail. That was very ungroomed powder that was like up to here. And I was like, I was laughing, but almost wanting to cry because it's so hard to get out of that once you're in it. So you're like scooting all the way down, you know, so you can finally stand again. But it was very interesting, and we did live to tell the tales. So we had the best time there. But one of the mornings, uh, we woke up to what sounded like a war zone. Like early in the morning, like six o'clock, like it's, it, it sounded like bombs were going off. And so all of us San Diegans were very concerned because um, obviously the inauguration had just happened. I'm like, are we under attack? Like, so, so some of our team ran to the front desk and w- was inquiring about what these noises were. And sure enough, what we found out was that they were actually shooting World War II cannons into the mountainside to... Uh, create a controlled avalanche, which apparently is common practice. And I'm thinking to myself, that would have been really nice to know. (laughs) 
before we thought we were under attack at 6 a.m. But anyway, so, so we found out lots of things. So this is what they do. This is common practice. So um, what we learned was avalanches uh, can cause massive destruction, obviously. And, and avalanches could be triggered by so many. Basically, everything can trigger an avalanche. Um, but especially a lot of snow in a short amount of time can trigger a massive avalanche. And so we learned that, you know, avalanches can travel at 200, up to 200 miles per hour, which obviously anything and everything in its path would be destroyed. And the avalanches actually kill over 150 people a year. And so in order to avoid these like really unexpected large avalanches that are really destructive, they uh, either fire explosives or in this case, uh, cannons into the mountainside. Uh, and, and they're trying to create, they're triggering smaller avalanches that don't pose a danger because it's done by professionals. It's done in a safe environment, and the mountain is closed, so no one can get hurt. And so we asked, because we, now I'm like, yeah, I want to see this. So we're looking out the window. We don't see any snow falling. And so we're like, why don't we see any snow falling? And the guy goes, oh, trust me, somewhere on this mountain, snow is falling. And I just, the scripture in Hebrews 12, 27 came to mind, what can be shaken will be shaken, but what cannot be shaken will remain. And I just really felt the Holy Spirit start downloading this message to me. And I even said, and I was like, I'm preaching that. I am preaching that in a relationship series. And they're all looking at me kind of like I'm crazy because I was so pumped. And I started like taking all these notes. It was like God was just speaking to me through that illustration of the avalanche. And so what I'm going to uh, bring up today, what I'm going to share could be considered somewhat reckless, slightly risky, but I think if done correctly, Using wisdom and biblical principles, I think this message has the potential to drastically transform your marriages and your relationships. I truly believe it. And I think this message, if we continue to apply it in our relationships and our marriages, it will guarantee us that the statement, until death do us part, is actually a blessing and not a curse. Amen? Amen. Okay. So what I'm proposing today is that we start firing the cannons directly at our relationships. I want us to start firing cannons directly at our relationships. I really felt the Lord tell me in the beginning of this year that this was the year to deepen and strengthen marriages. And I, and I, and I felt that so strongly because I think so many of us, including John and I over our 17 years of marriage, you know, at face value, at times we, we seem pretty good. Um, and if someone asked, like, how are you guys doing? I think without conviction or hesitation, we would say, yeah, good. Yeah, we're doing great. Good. It, we wouldn't have had a second thought about it. Um, because nothing was, like, really on fire and nothing massive or major was happening. But I think if someone asked, that question, asked us that question and we actually looked intentionally and intently at our relationship, if we looked beneath the surface and asked some tough questions... I would say you would have found some layers of snow that had built up over the years, layers of, you know, unforgiveness or unhealed areas or bitterness or resentments towards one another that I truly believe affected our intimacy and our love and affection for one another. I think we would have responded, of course we love each other. Yeah, duh, like we love each other. But did we feel deeply loved? We, did we feel deep love for one another? Did we feel deeply understood? 
Did we feel deeply emotionally connected? Do we feel spiritually connected? Do we feel like we're on the same page about our finances? Do we feel passionate about one another? And I think at certain times throughout the 17 years, we would have had to say no. You know, and I, I remember one day, I just, it, it kind of hit me because John came home and I was like, when did I stop smiling when you came home? Like, when did that happen? You don't realize it's happening until it already happened. And so the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply. That is God's desire for us. So I know most of us know how to run our household. We get the to-do list done. We deal with the daily schedules. We go through the motions really well, and we do a great job at that. But I really feel like it's time to just stop going through the motions. God wants more for us than going through the motions. And I think we would all want more for us in our marriages and our relationships than going through the motions. So I want to ask today, how avalanche-proof is your marriage? And when I say marriage, please don't disregard other relationships. I am telling you, these principles will help with working on teams, with your work coworkers, with your family, with your friends. So when I say relationships or marriage, I'm applying it to every, every relationship that we have. So how avalanche-proof are our marriages? Has there been heavy snow over the years in forms of offenses, bitterness, wounding, feeling unloved or uncared for, or undervalued? feeling like there's betrayal, emotional coldness, unforgiveness, selfishness. There's been no affection or dishonor or, or disrespect or even just the little annoyances, the little layers that build on top of each other. And, and we know when these little layers build on top of each other, if we don't strategically and safely bring those layers down by intentionally firing at those issues, we will inevitably experience an unexpected avalanche with devastating consequences. So I don't know where everyone finds themselves today in their relationships and in their marriages, but whatever place you're in, I just need you to know that there is always more and there is always hope. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, think about immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. God wants to do more than you can even imagine. So even the best relationship you can imagine, he actually has more for you, immeasurably more. And you can never catch up to more. You never hit the pinnacle, the highest height, because there is always more in God. And so, I, but I also understand that some of us in here could be in full avalanche mode already, like full avalanche mode. And the scripture I want to speak over you is Matthew 19, 26. The Bible says, Jesus looked at them and said, but in another version, it says, Jesus looked at them intently, which means firmly, steadfastly, with great effort, with great concentration and attention. Like, I'm serious. Jesus is looking at them like, I am serious about what I'm about to say. And he says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Amen? Amen. And Jesus is serious about that. 
So this wasn't a part of my message originally, but I'm going to take a quick detour and list off five quick things that I actually learned when I was studying about avalanches. And this is actually incredible. I I got this wisdom from an avalanche magazine, you guys. And it's almost like it was preaching to me. Okay, so if you are in avalanche mode, okay, let's just get that out of the way. So if you are in avalanche mode, you are telling you feel like, oh, this could be the end. Like this is, you know, this is happening. The first thing they recommend that you do is wear a avalanche beacon, which is a small radio that transmits your location to rescue crews, okay? So I want to ask, do people know where you are currently at and where the current state of your marriage is in? Does anybody know? Does anyone know your location of the relationship? Or are you keeping your location hidden? Out of pride, embarrassment, whatever it may be. It is so important to make sure the people that care about you know your location so they can come and help and rescue the situation alongside of you, amen? Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help him. But if someone who falls alone, they are in real trouble. Does anyone know your location? The second thing, it says, stay on top of the avalanche. They say you can stay on top of the avalanche and avoid getting buried where you will suffocate and die is to use a swimming motion It says, if you can't perform a swimming motion, it says, violently thrash around. It said, do whatever you need to do to stay on top of the avalanche. Because if you allow yourself to be overwhelmed and overtaken and be tumbled around under the debris, the chances of your survival are not good. You will suffocate under the weight of that avalanche. You need to do whatever you can to stay on top of this avalanche. Do not let it take you out. Keep fighting. Don't let it overtake you. Don't let the pressures consume you. You stay on top of this avalanche. Amen? Amen. The third thing it said, reach for the sky. Reach for the sky. So in the swimming motion, do whatever you can to make sure one of your hands is always continually up in the air. And this has a twofold benefit. Obviously, it's easier for rescue people to find you and spot your location. But the second thing that it does is you'll know which direction is up. So you know where to dig. So when an avalanche overtakes you and you get tossed around, you can become so disoriented when you can no longer see the sky and you're completely under the snow. And says they find, and it's so tragic that when they find people frozen and buried beneath the surface, they found that they were digging in the wrong direction. They thought They were convinced this was the way out. This is how I need to go. But when they realized, when they found them, they were digging in the wrong direction. I think so many times we're convinced we have the right way out. We're like, I'm just gonna dig over here and maybe look at this other relationship or maybe this affair and then that will make me happy and I can just leave all this behind. Or, you know, they're they're just convinced that they're going to do the right thing. Oh, over here, I'm, I'm certain I'm going to find grass that's greener. I'm certain. Only to find that path, digging in the wrong direction, will always lead to death and destruction. You have to be digging your way out the right way in the right direction. 
The fourth thing, and this one's so fun. Um, it took me a minute to get a revelation out of it. But the fourth thing they said to do is start spitting. Spitting. Spit. Okay, so this is as soon as you start tumbling and moving, and if you, or you find yourself under the snow, the first thing you need to do is to get, create a space in front of your face, one, so you have some air to breathe, but two, you will be able to identify the direction of the way out by spitting. So think about it. If you are so disoriented, you've been banged in the head and you're upside down, but you, don't, you know you're upside down. If you spit and that spit hits your forehead, you know you're upside down. So you need to dig your way out. Isn't that cool? I think we all could be a little riskier on the mountain now because we know that fact. We would know how to get out. So we need to give ourselves some room to breathe when we've been in an avalanche. Not everything is gonna be fixed overnight. It took a long time to get you into this mess. It's gonna take a long time to probably get you out of this mess. So give yourself some space, take a break. Everything doesn't have to be fixed overnight. So you can just think clearly, because we need to think clearly, because when we're not clear, we're irrational. And when we're irrational, we don't necessarily make the best choices, do we? No. Number five, remain calm. So the natural instinct, obviously, if you're in the middle of an avalanche or a relational avalanche, you want to panic, you want to freak out, you want to control, you want to do whatever you can to try to get out of this avalanche. But it said that when people get buried, you have to keep your head if you want to stay alive. You've got to keep your head in a calm state of mind if you want to stay alive because panicking will suck up any air that you actually have. It says it will shorten your window of survival. So if you can just stay calm when everything looks chaotic and just slowly work your way out, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. So I think that was some pretty great wisdom from an avalanche magazine. I was pumped. Okay, spitting, yes. I, that was actually my favorite. I was like, that is brilliant. Okay, so how do we start firing cannons at our relationship? How do we do this? So the first thing we need to do is to understand the purpose of firing the cannons at our relationship. Okay, the, the purpose of firing cannons at our relationship is not to harm or to wound or to make things worse, okay? The purpose of firing the cannon is to be productive, not destructive. The purpose of firing the cannon is to be proactive so you don't always have to be reactive. The purpose of firing cannon is to rid us of the dangers and unhealthy layers that we've allowed to build up so they don't build up so much so that you have an unexpected avalanche that's uncontrollable. I know one thing John and I have always applied in our marriage relationship is when we're having a conflict, we are not allowed to say anything that will bring us farther away from resolution. So we have, before we speak, we have to think, is this going to bring us closer to resolution or take us farther away from resolution? So we have to have self-control over our tongues. The Bible says in James 3, 9, and 10, with our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. 
So we need to grow in our self-control over the biggest muscle we have in our mouth. So we don't end up doing more harm during these conversations. The end result should be resolution. And when I'm talking about building these, these, these layers, I'm not necessarily talking about like the big problem, like the big issue, because I think sometimes the big problem, the big issue gets some attention because you can't ignore it. It's in front of your face. It's the little layers, the little things, the little frustrations that go unaddressed for too long that will cause the big avalanche. So I would say this. So you know when you've allowed little issues to go too long. So when those issues happen, your emotional reaction is like way bigger than the actual action, okay? So if it's, a, it's really a minor thing, like a two, but you're way up here at a 10, you've allowed those little things to go unaddressed for too long because now that little thing is all wrapped up in bitterness and resentment and anger, and then it comes lashing out. A couple of weeks ago, I lashed out and yelled at my husband, John, very irrationally, over his chewing too loud. It's, a, it's an issue for me, for me. So I just was freaking out on him. But it had been bothering me for so long, and I would mention little things or hoped he got the cue about how much it bothered me, but he didn't pick up on the cue. So I was left to just build in my frustration and anger about this issue, because this is what he does. He know, here's the thing, he knows I have a sound sensitivity. He knows I don't like, I don't like to, he knows it. He knows I don't like the TV with all the gunfire shows that he always seems to turn on when I'm like stressed. It's not helping. And so I'll say, hey, babe, we need to talk about whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, just a second. And then he pours a bowl of granola and comes, sits next to me so we can have a conversation. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I'll talk to you later. I, literally, I would get up and leave. I'm like, I'll talk to you later. That wasn't enough of a cue for him to stop doing it. And so I just launched out at him a couple weeks. And I'm like, I cannot believe you're still doing this. You know I'm sensitive to sound. You don't even respect me and you care nothing about the peace in my life. And he's like, wow. He's like, I didn't realize it was that big of an issue. Okay, I will do something about that. And here's the thing, it's probably my issue. He probably choose normally, maybe. But for me, until I can stop manifesting when he does it, I'd prefer he just stop doing it. But I was so mad about it, because I had let it go unaddressed. And then last week, last week, so every Sunday, just so you know, I'll get up here and preach three messages. Then I go home and I stand in my kitchen for three to four hours. I make lunches for the whole family for the entire week. And I pack little baggies of oranges and little baggies of celery and little baggies of cucumbers so my kids can grab a healthy snack. So I work hard on a Sunday because our lives and our weeks are crazy. And I want to just be able to grab healthy things and go. So I put so much time into this. Do I want to be doing that on a Sunday? No, but I do because I think my family needs it. And so... I had just finished last Wednesday telling John the front row at staff meeting that I had packed his lunch per usual. Okay? <laughs> and then two minutes later, I see John about right here talking to Miss Kate, our assistant. 
And I'm like, something's up. So I walk on over. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, uh, I mean, and Kate just goes. And he goes, I'm just, I, I'm going to have Kate pick me up some lunch. Like, maybe I'll eat yours for dinner or something. I was like, John Heinrichs. No, you are not. I was like, Kate, you're not getting him lunch. You're eating the lunch I made you. And, and then I text him like, babe, I work so hard to take care of our family. And I feel like when you do this, you don't even value my time. Like this, this is a lot of work for me and you don't even care. And so he could have fired back because I was a little bit irrational. But he goes, babe, I know you work so hard at taking care of our family. I'm sorry, I, I understand. Then I was like, okay, now we're clear. We're good. <laughs> One quick other example that I think is helpful to people is another thing. Hey, he had the mic on Wednesday. So anyways. No, he knows. I told him. I told him all the stories I was going to share. And so, um, you know, so then, you know, John will tell me, like, oh, we haven't had a date night in a few weeks. Like, let's go on a date. I want to take you out. I'm like, awesome. So I get all ready, and I do my thing, get the kids fed, all of that. And then we get in the car, and he's like, where do you want to go? No, I see lots of wives gritting their teeth right now. This is a common problem. So I'm like, are you serious? In COVID, where you can barely find a place, you asked me where I want to go and we're already in the car? And then we're calling places seeing if we could get in. And I, I told him, I was like, babe, I feel like you don't even care. I feel like you put no priority into this, which tells me I'm not a priority. And he's like, babe, I know, I need to get better. I'm sorry. What did you say? Do you need the microphone? Oh. We're like 85% better on that issue. So see, I just had to communicate how it made me feel. So I wasn't just being a brat. It actually, it hurt my feelings. And so whether I'm, I am, I am not high maintenance. I am medium maintenance. Just, just let's clarify that. I'm medium across the board. I'm low on vacation. I'm low maintenance on vacation. My body is high maintenance because it's always hot or cold and all these weird things. But I... I am medium. But now it's issue, be, or it's, it's resolved because we talked about the issue. So again, the purpose of firing the cannons at those little frustration is to make sure it doesn't stay there and build up and cause more trauma later. You've got to fire the cannons at relationship to bring resolve to an issue. Amen? The second thing, we need to fire the cannons at the right time. Timing is everything. So on the mountain, they fire the cannons at the safest possible time to minimize and prevent any collateral damage. So they do it early in the morning when the mountain is closed. There's no skiers, no hikers, no one. So no matter what comes down, everyone's ensured their safety. And so these cannons are not just going off at random all throughout the day in high-risk situations, okay? So there is a specific time, a schedule. You know when it's going to happen so you can be prepared for it. You know, you're not just firing all throughout the day. Firing all throughout the day is going to bring no resolve. And, and then the surprise attack never works. 
It instantly puts someone on defense. Like if John's taking a shower and I'm like, you left the dishes in the sink again. You forgot the kids' lunches. He'll be like, dear God, woman. Like it's, there's no resolve in that. Just rah, rah, rah all throughout the day. No, no. Set a time, have it scheduled. Say, hey, I'd like to talk about this situation that happened today. Can we talk after the kids go to bed? And they would say, yes. So before you enter that conversation, though, in regards to time, make sure you yourself have had time to process your emotions and your anger so you don't enter into the situation volatile, okay? Make sure you set enough time to fully discuss the issue. Do not bring the issue up when they are running late to work. Never a good idea. And try to ensure that you have a calm, non-defensive posture, reminding yourself the goal of this conversation is not to fight, but to bring resolution to the conflict. James 1.19 says, Then, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And to avoid collateral damage, Timing, again, is so important, but to avoid collateral damage, I would recommend not fighting in front of the children. Don't fight at a dinner party when other people are there. Or don't fight when you or, or bring up an issue and fire a cannon at something when you've had the worst day of your life or you were extremely exhausted. The timing is so very important. Amen? The third thing, they fire the cannon strategically. So just like they're not going off all throughout the day, they are strategic where they're gonna hit, okay? So they prepare themselves, ready, they know exactly what the target is, aim, and they fire precisely to hit the layer that's, that needs to be dealt with, fire. Ready, aim, and then fire. Don't start recklessly firing at every single issue. Like when you just start, you know, you start here and then now there's seven more issues that have, have been brought up. You always this, you never want to have sex. Ah, you always overspend. Ah, like that will never bring resolution ever. Imagine if you fire all over the place. Can you imagine every hillside on that mountain, that snow coming down at 200 miles per hour, like literally like cutting out everything in its path. So destructive. Same for our relationships and our conflict. You don't want a disaster. And I feel like there's a Bible verse that really helps us here. It's Mark 10, 21. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. The rich young ruler in this story guaranteed surely he had other issues in his life that needed to be addressed. But Jesus didn't point all of those things out and go, you're always this, this, da, 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 da. Because that would be overwhelming and quite wounding. So he just, he chose strategically to bring up one thing to make sure we had the time to, to resolve that one issue. Again, you cannot fix everything overnight. It's gonna take time, but how beautiful will it be to deal with one 
layer at a time. And eventually you have this foundation that cannot be shaken. It's amazing. Let's not try to tackle everything at once. Be strategic one layer at a time. And also I want to help give some examples around this because statements like you are always this or you're always that or you never do this or when I do, I, when you do this, I can't stand you. All those things, that's just venting. That's just anger. There is no way those type of statements are going to bring resolution to our, our layers and our conflicts. Never. And so I want to give an example. So Let's say a husband's really frustrated because his wife always overspends every time she goes to Target. So he could see her Target shopping bags come in and he's going, that's about 220. I, I know how much you can fit in a Target bag and the general cost. So he could just be like, I'm so tired of you overspending. You always way overspend every time you go to Target. And then she could fire back, yeah, poverty mentality. <laughs> you know, and then they just, vent and get it out and they go their separate ways. But is there any resolution? No, there is still offense, there is still frustration, there is still anger. So what that conversation could actually look like is, honey, I am working so hard to save enough money for us to buy the house. I'm working so hard and every time you overspend and it feels like you spend things on things we don't need, I feel like you don't appreciate how hard I'm working and I feel like you just don't even care. And this is where she would insert a very sincere apology. Say, honey, I know you work so hard. I'm so, I, I had no idea it made you feel that way. I am so sorry. I don't, I don't want you to be stressed out. But then, but if she really feels that he maybe is really too tight with the finances because of fear, or she may, it may make her feel like her desires are undervalued because he never wants to spend money on her, she could then communicate that to him. And then this is where he would insert a very sincere apology and say, babe, I would never want you to not feel appreciated or valued. I want you to have everything that your heart desires. But right now, we need to be a little more conscientious of our spending. And then they come into an agreement on what that budget looks like, something that they're both gonna have to compromise on a little bit. And then they, maybe they agree that if we are gonna spend over this amount, we need to talk to one another and we need to respect each other and submit, submit to each other's preferences that you agreed upon. And then there's resolve. That layer of anger and resentment is removed. The frustration over finances is removed and they've come into agreement. So firing off statements in anger and lashing out is only gonna pile up more layers into your relationship. The last thing, leave it to the professionals. Leave it to the professionals. You know, when they're, we're firing these cannons at the mountain, they're trained professionals. They're actually experts. They know exactly what they're doing. And it's important that they know what they're doing because when I read up on this, it said there's obviously always some level of danger when you're handling explosives. And they use these very words to describe it. And they said, and in these particular explosives, they use to remove the layers of snow are powerful enough to blow up a house. So if we don't do this right, and if we don't fire the cannons intentionally to help and not hurt, this, this stuff can take down your house. 
It can take out your entire relationship. So I'm not exactly saying, if you've had success in communication and conflict and you see fruit from it and you guys work your way through things on your own, that's great. You may not be an expert because you've made yourself an expert because you've had so much experience fighting. Or, but if, if you are always trying to resolve issues but you never find resolve and when you try to deal with the, an offense, you actually have so many more things you're now offended at because of things that were said, while you were trying to resolve the conflict, if you don't seem to get any progress made or any layers removed when you have these conversations, it is time to call in the professionals. A professional, someone that's trained to help you resolve conflict. And I know some of you are saying, well, we can't afford a counselor. Well, if you can't afford, can't, can't afford a counselor, you surely cannot afford a divorce. And counselors are so much cheaper. They're so much cheaper. This is the most important relationship outside of your relationship with God. It is worth investing in some way, somehow. And I could get into oversaying this, but you put that on a credit card. You, if, you're, if you are an almost avalanche or if you are, you could lose everything. God will honor the fact that you are investing in your relationship and you are trying to make things right and you are trying to be healthy. Leave it to the professionals. Or maybe you just need to start with a leader in church that you see fruit from their life, not just anyone. Someone that you see fruit from their marriage. Like, oh, I want a marriage like that. Let's sit down and have a conversation with them. Or I'm gonna sit down and talk to my connect group leader because they have a great marriage. Start there at the very least. So in closing, I want us to use a lot of wisdom when we start firing the cannons at our relationship. Because what can be shaken will be shaken, and it will be shaken eventually. And I don't want it to be devastating. I want to shake that stuff off so the layer that remains is full of love, full of joy, full of dreams fulfilled, full of everything you ever hoped for or imagined, the immeasurably more than all you could have ever hoped for or imagined. Those are the things we want to remain. And I think... That's something God wants for all of us this year. Let's, st- let's stop doing, going through the motions, the mediocre relationship, the mediocre marriage. God has great things for you. And he gives you all the keys to have those great things in his word and doing life with people that love you and support you. Amen? Amen. I'm so excited I got that out. I am so excited. Because I know this is what God wants for us, to deepen our relationships. We all want the fruit of a deep relationship, so let's start working on it. Be intentional this year, amen? Amen. And I want to pray for you. If everyone could just stand up, close their eyes, and bow their heads. Lord, I thank you for this word. Lord, I thank you, God, that the seeds that were sown today would not be scattered. The seeds that would, were sown today would take root to re- produce an incredible harvest in these relationships and these marriages, God. And it would just be, God, the immeasurably more. Lord, I speak to anyone who feels hopeless today, and I bind that in Jesus' name. I bind hopelessness, and I say, you are finished. I declare hope is filling hearts today. Hope and a confidence and a faith, God, that you can do the impossible in their lives and in their relationship. Lord, I want to pray over every single person in here that does not yet have a relationship with you. You may feel so lost 
and don't even know which way to start digging out. But I'm telling you, friends, the first thing you need to do to dig your way out of the things you're experiencing in your life is to surrender your life to Jesus. Reach up to the sky, they said. Reach up to the sky where our help comes from, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you are in here today and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, today is the day you get to start making all things new. So if you are in here today and you would love to surrender your life to Jesus and make him the Savior and Lord of your life, I would love, while no one else is looking around, if you can just lift your hands so I can see who I'm praying for and include you in my prayers. Who are those ones today? Yes, I see your hand off to the side, ma'am. Yes, in the black and white. And in the third row, the striped blue shirt, I see your hand as well. Who else am I praying for? Who else can I include in my prayer? Yes, I see you all the way up the back. Amazing. Yes, I see you beautiful over here on the side. Who else am I waiting on? I've seen four. Yes, I see your hand right there, beautiful in the denim. I see you. Just a few more moments. Some of you are really in your head right now and you don't know why you don't have the strength to lift your hand. I'm just gonna count to three and you just shoot your hand up before you can think about it. One, two, three, lift your hand up nice and high. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I see you, sir, in the white shirt. Proud of you. Yes, over there. Anyone else? Anyone else? I think there are about six or seven of you, and we, and we do have a little bit of time. It's still early. So I want to do one more quick thing, and this is not to embarrass or anything. This actually is the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. Your entire life. Jesus died on a cross for you, for your sins, to forgive you, to give you eternal life. He did that publicly on a cross. So I think the least we could do is surrender our lives to him publicly so we can welcome you into the family of God and pray over you. So if you lifted your hand, the worship team's just gonna sing a song and everyone else is gonna be cheering you. Can you please just make your way down to the front? So I just wanna pray a quick prayer over you. So over here and at the back and right here. And the two over here, come on down, come on down. Thank you, Lord. Yes, we are cheering as they come. Maybe I cut it off too short and you want to make that decision. It's not too late. Come on down to the front. Love to congratulate you and pray for you. This is not, it's not an easy road down to the front, but it's worth it. And it's worth it. So proud of you. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And everyone in the building, and especially you guys, are going to repeat it after me. You're going to repeat it after me. And, and it's just a simple prayer. It's not complicated. God loves you. He's so excited. You get to start a relationship with him today. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take my place on the cross so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be healed, so I can be set free, so I could live a life that's immeasurably more than all I could hope for or imagine. God, I thank you today that I am saved, that I am your child, that I have a fresh start, 
a new beginning and a future and a hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.